Welcome, folks. Welcome to PRT. That's short for Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Josh Turner. People call me Wolf. My friends call me Wolf, and you are not allowed to. I'm just kidding. Anybody can call me Wolf. You can call me Josh. You can call me anything. Just don't call me late for dinner. Uh, with me is my trusty companion, Tonto. Uh, oh, Oh, uh, ooh, uh, I guess I'm not wearing my makeup correctly today. Oh, yeah. You're supposed to be wearing your headdress, dude. Yeah, I thought I looked like a dragon, but I guess oh, I look like gosh. Tonto. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I wasn't talking about you. I was talking about Scorpion over here. Hey. Oh, I didn't Scor- even notice him. Scor- <laughs> hey there, Scor- <laughs> Scor- Scorpion's still in the studio because we did a show, uh, so we decided that we were going to, because we do sometimes two to three shows at a time. At a time, yeah, just to knock them out. Knock uh, them out. And get, so we have plenty of, uh, of uh, stuff in reserve to keep you people at home happy with your insatiable appetites for the paranormal. Yeah. So Scorp is here in the studio, and uh, he's going to join us, and, and I'm with also with... Uh, Mushu, Mushu. If you didn't know, yeah. In case you didn't know, they're knowing your voice. I want to say something really quickly before we go any further. All right. People say that I'm really mean to my co-hosts and that I bully them and I make I joke. What? That's part of the shtick, okay? If obviously people are not gathering, like they're not getting it. Like I don't getting know what. Okay, Tony. All right, here we go. <laughs> Tony's like, you treat me like this all the time, man. Oh, yeah, the abuse. That's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, we just joke around. I mean, that's just the type of, uh, you know, we've always been like that. We've always messed around. Just personalities that we have. You know, we always mess around with each other. So we we, uh, we like to just play around. And uh, yeah, if, we, you, if you don't understand that. You don't no, understand that. People it's all like, in life fun. It's no, all in fun. That's all it is. You know? Just a bunch of fun. We yeah, all, we, we, we banter back and forth. And, you know, I slap him up, knock him around, you know, kick him, you know, every now I and then. I try to, but then he just catches me and hits me again. Beats but, him uh, about the face, breast, chest, neck, and head area. And that's <laughs> it, you know? So, now, so, now seriously, though, folks, I, 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 Scorp's like my best friend, you know? Uh, Tony is my godson. I've known him since he was a little bitty kid, and I've we've always just gotten along. Tony... We used to take him on trips, and we'd take him to go do stuff, and you know, and oh, yeah. whatever. I used to go over to uh, y'all's place, like for entire weekends, or yeah. if we were like spring doing break. spring break, yeah. exactly, or like just spending a long mm-hmm. amount of times with y'all. And you, and you would always play with Zane and Anthony and, 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 and Seth. Seth, and y'all, and y'all would be, uh, and then what? My mom's old friend's son, I forgot his name. He'd come over, Caleb, Caleb, yeah, yeah. And, and everybody, y'all'd all be in there playing games and whatever, and, and aggravate. The out of me because then eventually I had to take you somewhere to go swimming or something because you would always be annoying me. Nah, I'm just kidding. You guys were good kids, just man. Just so needy, right, bro? Yeah. <laughs> and Scorp, you would go with us and we'd go and we'd do stuff, whatever, and we'd be swimming and I'd try to drown them and stuff. But it never <laughs> worked. I was unsuccessful. But anyways. Not long enough. Not long enough. <laughs> <laughs> Keep telling so, you. So we, so we have fun, folks. Just, just so you know, that this is not, we're not, I'm not being mean and abusive to these people. I'm just, that's how it is. We joke and we say things and we mouth off and, and it's part of the stick now. And so, you know, I'm not trying to be ugly or whatever or rude to Tony. Tony knows that. And he knows that he's, that's how it, that's how our, our relationship has been like that for a long time. Yeah. And you know, I get him back sometimes too. I mean, as you can tell. Yeah. He um, gets under my skin sometimes. Oh, I definitely do. I know I do. I mean, not I think you're definitely better at it, living, in, uh, working in the club. Like I think you just developed like a, a way to break people down into tears that I don't think I would develop because I'm a good person. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't always the customer either. No, no. <laughs> well, actually, Scorp was there when we made a big old tough guy cry one time. We didn't touch him. He just stood out. He was always running his mouth, and you know, and he he just gave him a piece of his own medicine. Yeah, his nickname was Duke. Mm-hmm. Literally, his nickname was Duke, and and me and Scorp and, and D and Squid were out there, and we were teasing him, and he started crying, and he quit. Yep. And we were like, dude. And then the guy ended up like going to prison for like assault or something with a carjack or something. No, no, no bull. That's am I lying, Squirt? No, that's, that's he's a big happened. old tough guy, dude. But then I think D whooped his butt one one, one night, you know, and like, uh, yeah, it was D. I think D D beat him up or something. So anyway, he he ended up going to jail, and like, for somebody told me like he got stabbed in prison or something. I don't know. Cause he was, he had a real bad attitude and we were just messing with him. We were all cutting each other down. Like we always do. And one thing led to another and he starts crying. Like I'm not making that up. He literally started crying. And I was like, dude, what's wrong with this guy? No, he could dish it out, but he couldn't, he couldn't take, take it. it. You know? And I was like, well, you know, and I guess he couldn't beat us up. So he quit. I quit. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I learned from my stepdad was, uh, don't wear your heart in your sleeve. Mm-hmm. I, I take that with me everywhere. It's like, so, so most people, 
Like I, I that that's like my one advice. Like don't let your emotions show so easily. Yeah. My my brother is one of them people, him and Tuli. They'll go back and forth and they will run their mouths at each other and they'll block each other for a day on Facebook and then and then the other one will be like, He I, I don't, he's a poop cockahead. I'm like, dude, you're grown men who've like been in all kinds you've worked in the ghetto and done all kinds of Worked in clubs, all the hip hop clubs, and then you're and you're and you're upset because each other's calling to the pupacaca heads, dude. Whatever, dude. I, I I'm down with all. I'm not down with all that. I and mean, Tony knows we we joke and we play. And Scorp, you know how it goes. We oh yeah. We'll make fun of you, and then sometimes I'll get some of my own medicine back, and you just have to be able to take it, dude. It's just yep. how it goes, man. Yeah, around us, you can't have thin skin. No, nah, and funny, though, Nelly can actually hang with us, too. <laughs> yeah, she does, right? <laughs> she she'll does. go back. People say, oh, she's so soft-spoken and sweet. Yeah, she'll get you, yeah, too, she'll man. Get, she'll she'll oh, tear she you has up. Her, she has her, her hidden dark side. The claws will come out. For oh, yeah. well, she's good at uh, pouncing on you if you're slow in a, on an uptake. Like, if you're trying you're to make fun of her yeah. and you're like trying to still think of it, she's real quick on just get on you real on quick. Real quick and yeah. being able to make fun of you with something. So she's real good at that, but well, she grew I'm going to have to probably a... cut this part out so she doesn't hear it. But um... <laughs> <laughs> She grew up in a tough family. So that being said, folks, I just want to get that out of the way. Uh, like and subscribe. Wolfman 88 at gmail.com. Wolfman 88 at gmail.com. Our podcast is prtpodcast.com. Prtpodcast.com. One more time for a good measure, prtpodcast.com. That's our website. That's our website. Yeah. All right, folks, check it out. We got all kinds of cool stuff on there. Uh, one thing I wanted to tell you, too, join our groups. Uh, Cryptid Squad's doing really well. Uh, uh, Cryptids and Paranormal Reality is doing really well. Those are two groups that I'm an admin of, but they are not my groups. That's Lori Shivers and uh, Michael Moran. So, Paranormal Encounters, <clears throat> Paranormal Lounge, PRT. I mean, yeah, just, Paranormal Roundtable is my main group. Yours, Tony, is Paranormal Encounters. And Nelly's is Paranormal Lounge. Paranormal Lounge. Go check it out, folks. Let us know what's going on. Scorp's involved in those, too. He's a moderator. Oh, um, I can't believe we forgot to say this, but uh, we do give giveaways. We've been doing that for a mm-hmm. while now. And usually Scorp is the one who picks them because he's, he's very- Him uh, and Zane. Him and Zane. They, they switch back and forth because they're very unbiased and they don't really interact with the mm-hmm. group as much uh, in the PRT group. They, they do mess around with some of the other groups. So that's why they choose their- but uh, yeah, so butter them up in, in the comments if you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we like it that Scorp's not a you know, he's very impar- yeah, he, he's he, very he, impartial. Um, yeah, I'm not one to really take part in kiss having people kiss my backside. Yeah, to yeah, get don't, stuff don't that do doesn't that. work. And 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 our our members are too smart for that anyway. They're not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah, they know that that they'll get just as much by by joking and laughing with us as they would be being super nice. Exactly. You know? Yeah, folks, if you're really to me though i might hook you up anyways <laughs> that being said uh we're gonna get started with the show what we got tonight what we got tonight and like i said scorp's gonna sit in with us because you know you never know who's gonna be here it might be zane it might be scorp well, it's a round be... table i mean that's yeah, what, one of the main table. things we do is like we just bring people in they sit in they talk mm-hmm. I mean, that's... chief nelly we're all in it together yep. anthony's usually here anthony's not here today thank goodness with scally face <laughs> the sullen face that he makes at us makes them ugly faces I-, I tell you he's that gumball machine from uh <laughs> What's it called? <laughs> What's it called? Oh, the the regular gosh. show. The regular show. That's, that's Tess Anthony. We're like, me and Tony make a mistake. Oh, we look over. He's over there scowling at us. So anyways, so he he's working tonight, so we don't have to deal with him. But uh, we're going to get started here. Tonight, what we got going on, and I'm going to tell you right now, this is a story that I got from when I was way young, a youngin. Um, now, I recently talked to a few of my cousins, uh, one in particular that used to spend a lot of summers with me. Um, out there in this tract of land. Um, this is on my dad's side of the family. I had some uncles. Now, they're they're long gone. They were my grandfather's uncles, Uncle JC and Uncle SD. So there are several of my family members on both sides that listen to my show. Now, they may know who these people are. Uh, they passed away years ago, back in the 80s, you know. But when I was a little kid, I used to go out there and I'd spend summers out there because my grandpa would take me to go visit them and we would eat dinner out there and they had huge tracts of land out there, acres of acres and acres to explore. And uh, me and my cousin Donnie, shout out to Donnie Fleming. Guys had a very colorful life. He was a rodeo clown, a bull rider. He's a, he was a roughneck in the oil, oil industry. Um, go, go pester him on Facebook. Look him up. His name is Donnie Fleming. He'd love it. Yeah, I was, a, <laughs> I was a fan of his when he was both a he, bull rider and a rodeo clown. Yeah, he's, he's a tough kid, man. I grew up with him. He's about as country as they come, uh, lives out near Bryan, Texas. And uh, he actually was with me when we were kids and we we heard this story told to us. 
he didn't take it too seriously, but you know, I did. And I actually followed up on it because I was always into that kind of stuff as I became a teenager and what happened to me when I was 15, I, I looked back and I was like, what was that? So I talked to a few people who uh, were around back then, cousins of mine, and got a little more of the story. And over the course of the last several months, I've put it together as best I could. Uh, this is a crazy story, folks. Now, wh what happened was there were some people that lived in uh, in an area. It's in between Thorndale and Lexington. If you look out on the map in Texas, and that area is heavily wooded. It's not far from Austin, maybe 40 miles as the crow flies. It'd probably be, you know, 40 miles. It's a very uh, heavily wooded area. Uh, in between those two towns, there's a lot of area that 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 uh, could be inhabited by who knows what. And uh, when they were young, they had uh, some neighbors. Now, it was my uncle, J.C., and my great-great-uncle, and then Uncle S.D., and then there was Uncle Alvin, and then there was my great-grandfather, who was Dewey. Now, they were all young men at that time, or little kids at that time, when this happened. It was around the turn of the century. And back then, they were neighbors, but they weren't, like, right on top of each other like it is now. That's spaced out. Yeah. And it even is like that now out there. It's kind of, you know, you got a neighbor. You might have a neighbor that lives a mile or two down the road. Well, back then, you know, a neighbor might be three miles up the road. You know what I mean? And you had a big tract of land that was your land. And they had some some friends. Now, they themselves, I believe, lived closer to the San Gabriel area. But they had a, a family that they did a lot of trading and business with that lived in this area in between Thorndale and Lexington. And I drove out there to that area a couple of weeks ago as prior to this recording. I don't know when this is going to air exactly, but it was back in uh, early May. And me and my wife went out there and we went and we looked and I showed her what I thought. No, I can't be 100%, but what I think was the, the remains of this cabin. You've heard of stories of Bigfoot attacking people. You, you, Tony, you know that we've gotten stories. Oh we yeah, have I mean, I've read the, stories about yeah. it. It's crazy. Yeah, and and they they claim that they'll they'll punch through a windshield or throw rock. You know, we got the story about the throwing rock thing, and then but we've also heard stories of them laying siege to to these trappers' cabin. That's a very famous story. Kind of have something like that. It's 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 very similar. These these uh, creatures, though, I I don't know. A hundred percent. If you would classify them as your as your standard Sasquatch, Bigfoot, um, I know Trey Felton out in Thorndale, uh, very nice guy is going to be on the show. I don't know as of this if, of this airing if he's been on or not, or if he will be. Uh, he wrote a book and about the the Apache Pass and all that area up there, and where uh, and there's Bigfoot sightings. He likes to look for Bigfoot, whatever. I've gotten stories of a lot from a lot of different people about these Sasquatch type creatures, and they look like like brown. Uh, like a mixture between ape and human. I don't want to say that that's what these were, but my great great uncles had told me that uh, these creatures that they they ran these people off of their property is what they essentially did. It was a good plot of land, you know. And they, these people, it was back when when this happened. Like I said, it was around the turn of the century, and they were, you know, it was hard scrabble. You know what I mean? Like these people had to live hand to mouth. Their land was everything. And so for something to make you leave, you know, it had to have been pretty uh, dramatic, you know. And so uh, if you look at this situation, like how, like how this played out, whatever, it, it, was, it was like um, like it had to be something really bad, you know. Now, I believe if I'm correct, my uh, – it wasn't around the turn of the century. I'm sorry. It was in the – in the I believe it was in the 20s or maybe the, or the like like right right after World War One. I, I believe, is when this happened. Because uh, I got my great-grandfather. I believe he was born like um, right after the turn of the century or right around the turn of the century is when they were born, all of them. They were all different ages or whatever. But that family that this happened to, it happened, I believe, right right around World War One. I, I believe. Okay, so th at that time, it was before the Depression and everything, but a lot of bad things were happening at that time. There was a, a Spanish flu, and people were dying and all this stuff. And it actually started with that, okay? What I was told was one of the, the family members, th this family was a big family. Um, they had an Irish surname. That's all I can really tell you. I don't want to, because some of the people still, of the, the, the family are still alive to this day. And I have actually spoken to some of them. 
and um, I'll call them McCulloughs because that's sort of like it, McCullough. The McCullough family, they owned some land in between uh, the, these two towns, like, you know, out in the middle of nowhere in the boonies pretty much. And they had several acres that they farmed and their, their father had gotten it from his father, you know, and so they'd been out there for a long time, um, since the 1800s. And there were six children, three boys and three girls. One of the little girls died of cholera when she was real young, supposedly. I didn't never verify that, but I know that one of the guys, one of the sons, the oldest one had gone away to World War One. He came back and he died of the, of the flu. Now, that's kind of where it begins. He was buried out on the property, on the north end of the property. And what happened was, according to what I was told and what I was able to piece together, the the story, I just try to bring it all together in one big story as best I can, folks. They, something dug up the grave. Now, they were working in the field. They had buried John. That was the oldest, um, Actually, believe I believe that might be his real name. Actually, that's just what he was called. John, he said he was John. John McCullough was buried out there in, in the, the the field or whatever. McCullough not being his real last name, whatever. Something dug up the grave and stole the body. So they had had stories, or they had heard stories of these ape-looking type creatures running around out there for a long time. Everybody in my dad's family, you know, in, in that older generation, they would make kind of, kind of joke about it and say, you better watch it. You go out there, them, them boogers will get you. And they would say that. And my uncle SD, talk, he actually talked like that. And he was always smoking a cigar in his right hand. And he was always ashing it. And if, if, you know, as a kid, I remember it blowing in my face. You know, he's telling me, he'd always tell me these stories. And uh, he would tell me these stories about the Hoxie Bridge and the Headless Horseman. And he would tell me all these stories about Bigfoot, you know. But as a kid... I thought it was just like when my great aunt on my mom's side would tell me about the Cadejo and the Amri Lobo. I never believed any of it. I always thought it was just a bunch of mess, and it was fun stories to hear, but I never believed it. Yeah, with that, I never took a chance on that. <laughs> yeah, well, being Mexican, you can't. I mean, but when I saw the, the the dog man or wolf man, whatever it was, you know, when I was 15, and it all kind of brought it to, to be something that was real to me, something tangible. And so... He told me a story one time. He goes, don't go out there to that holler out there because we were out there riding around, you know, on horses and messing around and playing. And he said, you go down and then holler, that horse going to buck you off. It's going to run back. He's like, them Bigfoots live down there. And he would call them Bigfoots, you know, because by that point, everybody knew what a Bigfoot was, you know, in the 80s. And he said, they'll come down there and they'll break the horse's neck. And I was kind of waiting for him to crack a smile and laugh at me like he would. He'd kind of wink his eye. The Bigfoots are going to get you, you know. He didn't laugh and he didn't smile at me. And he and he goes, I'm being serious. He goes, Don't go down in that holler down there. He's like, if you go a few miles past it, he's like, that's where the old McCullough place was. You know, he goes, and and that whole family got run off from their land. And them and them Bigfoots, they still live out there. He said that since that, that three different families had tried to live out there and they'd all gotten chased off. But he remembered the the this particular family being chased off of their land because him and his daddy had to help them, which would have been my great-great-grandfather. They had to help them move and get their stuff out of there. And he himself claimed, along with his brother J.C., who lived about a quarter mile up the road, they, their two plots of land were right there next to each other. And then there were no neighbors for a long time, long ways, acres and acres. Now, these were my great-grandfather's brothers, and they both told me different parts of the story and what they saw as kids. And what they saw was pretty crazy. Because they saw these things when they went out there to try to help them. And for years, I always thought it was just a joke. But looking back on it, I don't think it was. Because since then, I've talked to some people that, that have, were involved in this. And they, they said that, yeah, they remembered their grandfathers, or one guy in particular, his, his, his dad, t- talking about it really happening. And so <clears throat> here's the story. When the body got dug up by something they would hear these loud howls coming from the woods at night. And there was this holler, as they call it, right in between their property and this creek. And it was kind of kind of like a bottomland. And they said that down in that bottomland, they'd go down there to go fishing every once in a while. Well, they started to see these weird-looking, like monkey, ape-looking creatures 
I don't know what you would call them. I wouldn't call them devil monkeys because they were too big to be what you would think of as the devil monkey. And Tony, we've covered the devil monkeys. And But these things were big, and they looked like uh, Sasquatch, but with a difference. They had a slight muzzle to their face, and their faces were like ashen gray with no fur on the face. Kind of like a protruding jaw. You know what I mean? And he, th- that's how they described them. And he said that they had this really tall forehead like a, like, with like a ridge on the top of the forehead that came to like a point. And you could see the hands, and the hands were flesh-colored, almost like a, a Caucasian person's hands. And the feet were the same way. But the body and everything was covered completely in hair, and some of them were brown, some of them were reddish-brown. And that's what they looked like. And they had like long hair that kind of came off their heads that was less like the, the what they said looked like fur almost on the rest of the body, where the head was almost like long hair, and it was red. They had like this reddish-brown hair, like a rooty color. And this is the descriptions I was able to get. They said that the eyes were real beady and black, but that they glowed at night. And if you, and if you shine a light on them or whatever, you could see that they had like these, these glowing eyes that were almost like a yellowy uh, orange. That They said that they glowed like fire. And that's what I was told. Now, one of the people I talked to actually told me that the face, the reason that it was this ashen color was because they would go like these things were not really capable of making fire, but if you had a campsite, cause some of the hunters and trappers out there would make a campsite, they would see these things go like they would see the footprints, I should say, uh, around their campsite. And they believed that they were taking the ash from the campsite and rubbing it on their faces and their hands for some reason. Don't know why that would be or what that was. Maybe it's some sort of a get rid of mosquitoes. I don't know what that would be. But that's what I was told by, by one guy in particular. He said that his grandfather told him that uh, he that they had that's what they believed that they would see handprints and f- giant footprints. You know, uh, the footprints looked weird. They were almost like uh, really large, oversized footprints, but they only saw half of the footprint. It was almost like people that were walking on the balls of their feet. Yes, yes, absolutely. And so, and so they they would see these footprints and and these trappers. It's there were these two trappers back in the eighteen eighties uh, that claimed that they had gone out there and that they were hunting in, in that area, and that these three ape like monkey men or whatever you want to call them came up to them and and literally began to throw rocks like you know fifty yards away from them and and actually hit one of them in the head. The other two guys that were with them had to take him put them on the horse and get out of there. Uh, they actually managed to, to, to kill one of the horses. And the other two guys got out of there uh, carrying their friend who they took into town and actually died from his wounds. Uh, that happened supposedly in the 1880s. Um, so there's a story that went way back, you know, to, to the 1880s of this man supposedly being killed by these creatures. And uh, they would be attracted to uh, people who would be camping out there hunting or people who uh, like this family that lived out there, um, and till till the day that, that the old man died, he he swarping down that they were the ones that robbed the grave. Now, what ended up happening was they found uh, the body of this guy half eaten and hung up in a tree. Now, this guy was a corpse. This was his son who died of the influenza. Um, so. I don't know if Bigfoot can get influence if they can get the flu, but you know they ate maybe a body. That's why there's so mad. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe one of them died of it. And they, they're like, "We're going back and getting them fools." They got us sick, you know. Well, or maybe you shouldn't be eating corpse Bigfoot. You know what I'm saying? That's like, not they, healthy. They just a, took all this food and they just wasted it by throwing it into the ground. What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so they went. And they 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 got it and they dug it up. And so he went out and he looked for it, and, and finally they found the body hanging up in a tree. They said it was about 10 feet up into a tree. Now, that's crazy because there's no human being that could have done that, you know. Uh, mountain lion, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I don't, it depends on how big this guy was. I don't know how big he was. But I doubt it very seriously because they it said was a that, grown man. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really think a mountain lion would that. dig him up and take him up into a tree. Yeah. But they said he'd look like he'd been chewed on and that, like, you know, he was partially eaten, you know. Uh, part of the body was missing, obviously. Now they found his remains, whatever, and they reburied him. That was the 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 first 
thing that happened as far as like they would hear noises and they had caught glimpses of what they thought these things were in the tree line. Well, what really started the whole conflict between this family and these, uh, I guess you could call them Bigfoot, was that one of them took a shot at one of them. The mother was out in the garden, of course, back then, you know, and up until I was a kid, the old timers always had gardens. Mm-hmm. Everybody had a garden. I know, Squirp, you talk about your grandparents mm-hmm. having my, gardens. My, my yeah, mom both still has a garden. Your mom. <laughs> She's very. And your stepdad. Well, He's got a garden, too. too yeah. Hmm. So so everybody had a garden, but th- she was out there working in the garden, you know, and one of these things walked up to the tree line and came toward her, and she saw it, just point blank saw it face to face. Uh, she saw this white face on this thing, this ashen face, and she got up and she ran into the house. Well, the oldest son that was still alive, who had also gone to war, um, but he was only he was still still a young guy, whatever. He came out and uh, he opened fire on this thing, and uh, supposedly he hit it, hit it right in the left side of its hip, according to the legend. He hit it in its hip, and it took off and ran into the woods and and was messed up or whatever and it was screaming then they heard screams and howls all night long culminating in the next day uh two of their pigs were missing now up to that point every once in a while chickens would go missing they they would uh they would they would find like you know a pig litter two something but these were sows big old big old giant pigs 400 pound pigs that they they just were just gone they just disappeared that that night, and they and they were staying in the house because they were terrified, and they didn't have electricity. Uh, folks in Texas, in the rural Texas, electricity didn't even come until like 1950s. So these people didn't have te- they didn't have running water, they didn't have electricity. Uh, one of the younger kids had gone out to the outhouse the the next morning, and uh, something literally was shoving the 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 outhouse back and forth, scaring him, and it looked into the. Uh, the little opening, you know, in the front of the outhouse and he could see these really menacing looking eyes and a, and a weird looking nose. It was like a flat nose staring in at him. And it just, you know, he heard it walking around and he sat in there screaming and crying. And eventually, you know, his older brother comes out, sees this reddish haired creature around the outhouse and takes another shot at this one. And this thing runs, it gets down on all fours and runs away, according to the story. Now, according to what I was told, you know, I've got, like I said, I've been told the story two or three times, but it was like bits and pieces and I put it all together. This went on for about a week. Them coming at night, getting closer and closer to the cabin. Uh, it was a dog run cabin. I don't know if you know what that is. Yeah. Uh, do you want to explain to folks at home what that is, Corey? Uh A dog run cabin basically is, uh, it's two sides with like a little breezeway in the middle. It's uh, all one living, it's all one house. Uh, but it's almost like a, having a patio between, like I guess, the kitchen. Two parts and, of the house. Yeah. So it's not. It's it's not a full. It's like it's like if we in the middle of our house had like if if we if if the neighbor across here was our neighbor, but it wasn't. It was just part of our house, and there was a breezeway in the middle, and we just walked over there, and that's also part of the house. Okay, so it was like so, split into two halves. Exactly, yeah, like a kitchen and living room on one side, and the bedrooms on the other, something yeah. like that. Yeah, but the way it, this one was laid out, uh, from what I gathered, was. One side was the kids' quarters, and the other side was the mom and dad. And then they had the 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 living room on the kids' side, and the mom and dad had the kitchen on their side, something like that. Anyways, this these things eventually uh, came into the middle of the dog run, snatched up their dogs, and literally killed them. Like like one of them grabbed one of the dogs. They come. They witnessed this. Uh, one of the kids, his name was Patrick saw literally opened the door, saw one of them standing there and the dog was yelping and screaming. It was one of the coon hounds and he took it and twisted its body with his bare hands, threw it over its shoulder and just walked out. Now everybody was stunned and the older boy wasn't there at that point. He had gone to the neighbors to try to get some help, you know, to try to get them to get, help them move their stuff out of there because they needed to leave. Uh, This thing had just literally walked right up so one of the younger kids came out and tried to attempt to shoot at one of these things. One of these other ones ambushed him and snatched the gun away from him and tossed it out into the yard, uh, a rifle, and then went into the house and grabbed one of the little girls, one of the youngest ones, grabbed her and began to try to to, to leave with her, tried to walk off with this little kid. And according to the story, the mother, 
had gone like uh, just ape poop, I guess what I was going to say, no pun intended, and she grabbed a, a cast iron skillet and hit this thing upside the head three or four times, and the little kid was dropped in the yard, and the mother was smacked so hard that it broke her jaw, and she felt backwards, and then one of these things bit one of the uh, second oldest kids that was still alive and drug him across the yard and tore part of his ankle off to where he had to go like he couldn't walk. He was disabled for the rest of his life. It literally stripped the, the, the meat from his leg, from his lower leg. These things were described to me as having really big canines, a flat, sort of a flat face, and then with a, a slight protruding muzzle with really big teeth. Um, didn't sound like a dog, man, because there was no tail to speak of. But it does sound like the way that they would move up and down on all fours and then stand up and then get down on all fours that these things were uh, some type of primate. You know what I mean? The noises that they made, supposedly, that they could hear them shrieking, and then they were they were very adept at climbing. They could climb trees. They managed to, the, the night that this bad attack happened, where they killed the dogs, and that, that night they came through the roof of the children's side where the, the, the they were all huddled together in the bedroom area, and they were reaching in, trying to grab one of the kids because they had a bunk, you know, and the bunk was closer to the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. And so it tried to grab one of the little kids. Uh, one of the little kids, her name was Caroline, and they almost managed to pull her out, uh, like, like out of the roof. They were literally playing tug of war with her legs to keep her from being yanked out of the top of this uh, dog run cabin. They ransacked the other side and took whatever food was in the other side. The one firearm that they had, they used it, you know, re, you know, to try to fend them off. They did say that they struck these creatures at least two or three different times, and they would they would run away, but then they would come back. And of course, there was no telephone. You know, this was like you know, early 1900s. There was no telephone for them to call and say, "Hey, can you send the police?" Whatever. Eventually, the the older son came back, you know, with help. Him and his dad had come back, you know, and and that night while this was going on, they were they were literally under siege. And when they returned, they came with several of the 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 men that were the surrounding farmers, or basically farmers and ranchers, what they were. And they came, and my great grandfather's uh, dad was one of them. Now he came back. They were a witness to this. They literally opened fire and, and like six, seven different guys shot at these things. They all ran into the woods and disappeared. Well, they went into the cabin and they saw this horrible, horrific scene. You know, the kids were crying. The one kid's leg was just tore up and chewed up. So they had to, you know, two or three of the guys had to take him, put him in a wagon, get him to town. They didn't have, uh, you know, cars. You know, this this was like, you know, they were still using wagons and, and horses, you know. And so they had to to ride him into town to try to get him. The, the, the biggest town at that time, you know, would have been Rockdale, I believe. And so they had to take him into town, or whatever, and try to get the local doctor there. You know, which was just, I mean, it would have been a podunk little, still a podunk little town, and try to get them to, uh, you know, minister help to him, whatever. I would assume First it would be either Rockdale, Thorndale, or, or Lexington because it happened between those three towns. So <clears throat> they had to render first aid or whatever. Yeah. And so the the kid, they took off with him. Well, my great-great-grandfather was one of the people that was left behind, supposedly, to uh, defend this cabin or whatever. And they began to load up the wagons to try to get them out of there or whatever. One of these things came out of the woods, knocked one of the guys off of his horse, literally grabbed him by his leg and began to pull him into the woods. And then three of the guys opened fire on that creature he dropped the guy and ran into the woods. They 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 said they were hundred percent sure that he had been shot. The horse that was that was like all messed up had got itself tangled up in the harness and was all jacked up and his leg was jacked up. The wagon had gotten knocked over, broke one of the horse's legs. It was a it was a big mess. So they were kind of like stuck, you know, in this situation with these Bigfoot creatures or whatever. And so they were spent the night literally huddled together in this cabin waiting for daylight. And eventually uh, daylight came and they began to try to regroup and get everybody out again. So they had to do it little by little, piece by piece. Now, eventually my great, great, uh, my great grandfather and his, and one of his brothers went to the cabin or whatever to help retrieve the people that, you know, they showed up different people from around, you know, the area 
you know, something you don't see nowadays, no. people working together to help each other. And they all managed to get as much stuff out as they could and to drag as many people out, you know, to get them to safety, whatever, the women and the children, they went to, to stay with a, a family, whatever. Well, these things weren't done. The first family that they went to was about three miles up the road and their, their house began to be uh, attacked. Uh, the first night that the women and children were in there, it was like a personal vendetta for these things. Not only did they destroy the farm, you know, and they ended up like uh, taking the, the livestock and running off with it or whatever. They first killed one of the donkeys that belonged to the neighboring farm. And they knew that they were going to have to go further away than just two or three miles. They were going to have to get the heck out of there, which is where my great great grandfather comes into play. He's like, you can go to my farm. He He lived about 11 miles away. So he managed to take them to their farm to get them out of there and to take them near the river where they lived, you know, in this, in this secluded area, whatever. And they, they, when they were on the trip back, now this is the story I was given from my great, great uncle. They were attacked, not in a dramatic, nothing like that, but, but these things were, were, were throwing rocks at them. And my great, great uncle JC told me he got a look at one of them and he said it looked like a tall, hairy creature, about eight feet tall. And he said that it was gigantic and they had big old hands, big old long arms that hung down past their knees. They walked hunched over when they would run, they would get down kind of on all fours. He witnessed one of these creatures said that they had ashen gray faces. That was one of the things that kept coming up that they looked white and had this weird ridge on their heads and they had this big protruding forehead. And, you know, being as a kid, you know, you're being told this story, it scares the crap out of you. But I just always believe like this is like this is bull crap. You know what I mean? Like this is just something they're telling me to scare me. But they would cause they would say things all the time, like, you know, there's a oh that scarecrow comes alive and it'll come trace you and pull you out of the went, you know, okay, you know. I went up to the scarecrow and threw rocks at it, nothing happened. Okay. You know, there was a giant blackbird out there that would eat kids, it misbehaved. I whatever, dude, you know. There was some weird stuff with some blackbirds. I'm not going to get into that in this episode, but eventually I will. But not not a giant blackbird that would carry kids away or anything like that. So I thought this is just a bunch of you know, more, more of their stories. More, yeah, more yeah. of their stories. But when they would talk about this particular incident, it seemed like they were genuinely frightened. And it seemed like they were being truthful. You know what I mean? Like this was something that they were being truthful about. It's like a matter of fact, basically. <clears throat> yeah, and, yeah, and like there's no playful grin or anything like that. Yeah, there was like, no joking or jokey. There was no chuckle house about it, you know. And and so having talked, you know, their kids, and then talking to to my my one of my cousins, and then you know, a couple of cousins actually, and them telling us, you know, hey, this really happened, you know, like their 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 kids told us this, you know, who are now like they older than my grandfather, my grandfather's age, whatever. And they, I talked to them over the years, and they had told me this really happened. This was a true story. This wasn't a story about a giant blackbird carrying kids off because they stole snacks or something. You know what I mean? This was real. Now, they had never had told me anything um, other than, you know, like, they never said, like, okay, these things came out and they attacked us and we almost died. It was nothing that dramatic. But they did see one of these things come to the edge of the road while they were trying to transport that family to give them to their shelter, to their place, to their farm. And they did get rocks thrown at them. And they saw one who came out onto the road behind them and kind of ran along behind the, the, the wagon. And they all got a very good look at it. You know, they saw this thing. It was, it was clearly, it was male. They said it had male genitalia and it was a very big creature and it was screaming and hollering and the horses were freaking out and, you know, and it was a scary, traumatic thing that happened to them when they were just like kids, you know, they were like teenagers or whatever. And so, you know, you, you, you're thinking about this story, you know, what could this be, you know, like what, what was this thing? You know, I, I don't know, but obviously it had a, a very, uh, emotional impact on them and they didn't like it when we would laugh at this particular story. The other stories didn't really care, but this one they did. You know, and the only other story that they seemed to, to be kind of serious about was the horseman story of Mahoxie. They That story is very legit. People believe in that story. Now, of course, you know, Tony, we took you out to Hoxie. Yeah, we went to a visit. Yeah. We're going to do a show about that eventually, too, if we haven't already done it by the time this airs, because there's a lot of legends and stuff about that bridge and all that. But they, they seem to be very genuinely uh, 
uh, they believed in that, and then the black bull of of the bridge, and the horsemen and all that. But other than that, they they never really it was never anything very serious. They would always be like, "Oh yeah, there's a ghost over there. You know, be careful in the barn. A ghost will get you." And it's some so and so old man such and such. You know, it's his ghost. An old man Aussie. You know, and whatever. You think that maybe it's not because that um, what's it called that like the, that they aren't real, but more that they're not as harmful, and that like these two like they might actually endanger you in some way. That's a good point. Like I've never really thought about that. I know that they really believed in in the headless ghost. Yeah. I know that they believed in him. They were like, "Oh no, I swear I'll put my hand in the Bible." You know, they'd always say they never did it, but they would say that, you know. But they believed in the horseman and and they believe he was supposedly according to them, he was a, a Confederate soldier who refused to to bend during reconstruction and the Union actually took hit two of his slaves that were still loyal to him. They actually hung them in his yard and then they beheaded him. Well, he was hung and then he was beheaded. Like he, his head came off and supposedly that's the story. You know, when the horse took off, uh, I guess one of his feet got caught in the stirrup and it yanked his head right off. That's the story. We'll get into that one day, you know, but that story, they, they really truly believed in that, the headless Confederate that would go around and, Sometimes he would be accompanied by two slaves, like his former slaves that were his house servants that were his friends. Supposedly, like, they followed him because they, they killed him, the, the northerners. And, folks, that actually happened quite a bit. People don't know that. But, like, there were slaves that refused to, like, abandon their their masters and whatever, for whatever reason, you know. And there were relationships between the slaves and the masters, even back in the Roman times, where, you know, like, of course, uh, Cicero you know, his slave tried to defend him, you know, when they, when they, but well, a lot of the slaves weren't, were not able to adjust, you know, they didn't know what they were going to do, but these two slaves in particular, they tried to defend him, I guess. And because they had already burned the, the house and his daughter had died. And so he was held up, you know, and so that's the story of the horseman. But like I said, one day we'll retell that we'll go into the whole in depth of the story of the bridge and all that. But those stories were given to me by them too. But this story in particular really had an emotional uh, effect on them. It wasn't like, you know, these ha-ha funny stories that Scarecrow is going to come to life and get you. Now, of course, we've covered a story about a Scarecrow. Coming to life. And coming to life and actually and, – and, but it was a child and we still – we've talked about this time. We don't know maybe if it was like demonic, you know – maybe that's what it was. Like it was a demonic entity and yeah, like, like, to like, took in the form of the scarecrow. Um, but, but you know, but that's not, that's not what this was. This wasn't like something they were trying to scare me with. This was like being serious. And they would tell us, you know, don't go down into the certain areas because those things live down there and they don't, they wouldn't come to their property because they had been shot at enough times, supposedly. And my great, great uncle told me that he shot at them a couple of times when he'd see the shadows of their creatures moving in in the woods He'd take pot shots at them pretty regularly. Now, what this is what's crazy. They had a neighbor that lived near the San Gabriel River uh, where these people ended up settling who actually had claimed to kill one of these things. It was down in the water and it was waiting and it was, it, it was coming across the, the river toward him and his wife and their little newborn baby. And he took his rifle, you know, and he literally with a 30-30 killed it. And just shot it dead, and then it just floated down the river, and it just floated away, according to what he said. Now, he claimed that to the day he died, and there was a lot of people in that area that claimed that that was a true story, and that the body washed up about four or five miles up the road, and that that there was it was near a bridge. I don't know which one. For all I know, it might have been Hoxie, but um, they claimed that that creature, and that they they took it, and the and the the, the people near San Gabriel, and they they buried it. And of course, these things became became very cantankerous and started up, you know, you know, attacking people and chasing people's cars. And supposedly that went on for like ten years. These things. I know my grandfather, my dad's dad, told a story, and I know you've heard this story before, Scorp, because we've talked about it. You remember my grandma Sophie? Yeah. And you remember Grandma Sophie telling a story about how they went fishing down there, San Gabriel, and she swore up and down that something was throwing boulders down at them. Oh yeah. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, and she told us this story. Now, Tony, I don't know if you've heard it, but my grandma Sophie had told us this story. Now, they were these these creatures, and she said that you could see up on the ridge, they looked like some really big, like, creatures that looked like giant people, and they had really long arms, and she saw them, like, their silhouettes. She could see them. 
Now, my grandfather being the guy that he was, of course, he starts shooting at him because he shoots at anything or he would. He would. <laughs> that was your grandpa. Yeah, though, it's not my grandpa. So, you know, my There's grandmother. No fight or flight with him. It's just fight. It's just fight or fight, you know, and, and then ask questions later if asked questions at all. Yeah. And so my grandmother's like, JD, don't be shooting at those things, you know, because they know that there's what they call them, the hollering creatures, uh, meaning they live in the holler and also they holler, you know. And so a lot of people just call them these hollering things or the hollering creatures. And these these things, to me, they describe them almost like Bigfoot to me. But for whatever reason, they have like these white ashen faces. Faces. The the face looks very gorilla-like from what people have told me. One of my grandmother's friends that she used to play uh, – uh, forgot that game they used to play. Uh, it's some weird game they played. Anyway, it was like a check game. But she said that that I remember t- her telling me straight up, you know, that she'd seen one when she was a kid. Now she died about fifteen years ago. She was already like almost ninety years old when she died. So her being a little kid, do the math. I mean, you're talking like turn of the century, or whatever. So you know, when she when she pa- when she passed away, you know, she saw these things when she was a little one. You know, and she said that that one of them came right up to the window and literally busted the window and began like fumbling around on the bed trying to grab her little brother and sister who were like sleep on on the bed. And she ran up and literally uh, like chased it off with like like this poker that you use to to stir the fire as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then she, she jabbed at it, you know, and got it to go away. And she said that these things, they lived in those areas for a long time. She said that over time, uh, this is a story she told me, and of course, Scorp, you've heard my grandmother repeat these stories. Yeah. But she told us this story, you know, and we were all eating dinner one night, you know, my brother, we were all there. And, you know, she said that, the, the, that these creatures eventually were killed, like they were killed off. Farmers and ranchers chased them off, and eventually, you know, they, they believed that they were killed, but nobody would, would say, hey, I killed one of these things. They would just kill them and then bury them or burn them or whatever because they wanted to get rid of them and get them off the property. But uh, like around the turn of the century, it became like an all-out war with these damn things because they would just – they were so mean, you know, and they were not coexisting. There was a reason why that area was not very inhabited. The Comanches didn't live in that area, folks. The Comanches, the Comanches had a, an area that they inhabited. It wasn't there. They did not live in that area. They and lived in – the what? And it takes a lot to make sure to the scale Comanches, the Comanche, yeah, yeah, the Comanches didn't live in that area because they said that that, that the ground there was cursed. Um, these creatures they live there. The Comanches lived in, to the west of of where we're at now. And of course, Tony and, and Scorpio, you know, we go anywhere west of Austin. It's Comanche this, Comanche Pass, Comanche yeah. Trail, uh, Comanche Hollow, whatever. Uh, you know, so Comanche Cove. You know, but but over there, th- there were Apaches, but they lived way to the north of that area. They didn't live in that area at all, you know, and and so when I was a kid and I'd go out to, to my dad's family's uh, place out near Bertram or Burnett, you know, in that area, I'd find arrowheads everywhere. I would, I had flint that they would, you could tell they used to make fire. I had spearheads, dude. I'm not kidding. Um, Scorpio, you've seen my, my old collection. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, somebody, somebody that stayed with us, we think stole it, but I'm not going to get into that. But we, there were all these, you know, just signs of inhabitants from the the Comanches and Apaches everywhere. Well, everywhere I've ever scoured that whole area, I haven't really found any in that little area there of any of signs of like native inhabitants at all. But when you go to the north of that, now there's Apache Pass, you know, of course that area is called the Apache Pass. So there, there were, was definitely like something there, but, but before that, or, you know, I don't know that anybody was living there, but, but those things, and I think that they were guarding their territory. And I, according to what I was told, that was not the McCulloughs were not the first family to be attacked or be driven out of that area. They just were the most uh, not recent, yeah, I guess. Um, but that they were the ones that my family had a uh, direct involvement, direct yeah. involvement with. Yeah. Yes, and so that's why that whole thing happened. So th- that that's why I know about this particular case. Now I wanted to talk about it uh, for for a while, but like you guys know, I had to get more information about it, and I had to like do some more research and get some more uh, information from some people, and that's the best I could I could 
could figure, you know, there was another story I had gotten about a mineral well that, that was right outside of Thorndale for years. People would go to this mineral baths and they would go and they would sit in them because there was a mineral well there. And supposedly it was very rejuvenating and you know, it was good for your skin and whatever. And this happened in 1922. There was a story that I got from, from one of these creatures running up out of the mineral bath when some people were being brought there by the guide or whatever that take them to the mineral bath and they're like, what is that? And this thing jumps up out of it and is literally while it's coming up out of the water, it's, this is a funny story. It's actually defecating into the water. And now I don't, I got that from a, from a cousin, from an way older cousin. And, uh, it's like older than my dad cousin. And I thought well, that he may be pulling my leg on that one, but he claims that's true. That happened. And one of those creatures came up out of there and they were like, to heck with that. And the people were like, that monkey man just defecated in that. Well, anyway, that. let's go onto your mineral yeah. bath. And, <laughs> and he uh, goes, adds to the flavor. You know, you rub it on your skin and it's real good for it. Oh, did you not know what mineral meant? This is what the minerals are. Yes, the minerals <laughs> that come from his intestine. Uh, but the crazy thing, though, is like there, there, there were stories, of, you know, here and there of ranchers and farmers over the years running into these creatures and seeing them. But as the time went on, uh, you know, as time progresses, whatever, you really don't get any many stories anymore. And in the time, it just kind of faded away. And then you get to like, you know, the 50s and 60s and then reports got fewer and fewer. And uh, I believe the lady's name was Stella, the one that told my, my that story with my grandmother. But she was saying that uh, that they all died out, you know, that according to the, you know, whatever, that they, 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 the last sighting of any of those was like in the late 60s or something. And eventually they just, it all, they all just quit, you know, people quit reporting them. They didn't see them anymore. Now, I know for a fact that that outside of my hometown, which isn't far from there, uh, about 17 miles, I believe, from that particular spot in the area near Nowak and then another area uh, on the other side of Taylor, that that they actually, there were reports of these creatures doing things, seeing people seeing them in the 70s, but not in that particular area anymore going toward Apache Pass, that they, that they were gone. But... Um, I was at a slumber party, you know, when I was a little kid, and they claimed to have seen these creatures. Now, Scorp can attest to the fact that there that that really happened, you know, to the kids that were there with me. I didn't see it, but they saw it. And actually, Scorp has been in my hometown, and he talked to one of them that yeah. actually, yeah, that told him that he saw this thing, and he described it. He said it looked like. Ape face, ape face, gray, uh, like a white. Gray, he said white, whitish gray. White, yeah, gray face, white face, uh, brown hair, big forehead. Yeah, long yeah. arms, big hands. Some of the kids claimed that it was black or blackish brown, and some of the kids claimed that it was just brown, which is weird because it was dark at night. So maybe they don't. You know, I've always wondered about that, but I personally did not see it, folks. I still can't say that I've seen a Bigfoot, so I, I don't know. You know, I'd be thrilled to see one if. From a long distance away, <laughs> not <laughs> especially those, the, the aggressive, violent ones, you know. But, you know, there, there's several accounts of these things, you know, like going back into history. But you have to dig and you have to be willing to go and talk to these old timers that, you know, and be able to go onto their land to talk to them. And you got to talk to somebody that can talk to them that will let you talk to them, you know. It's not as easy as just going and, you know, walking up to somebody at a store and saying, Hey, you know what? You got to be able to track these people down, you know? And over the years I did that, you know, and, uh, finally talking to my last two cousins about it was the last piece of the puzzle that I needed. And I recently did that to get the rest of the story to make sure I wasn't missing anything or leaving anything out. But, uh, yeah, that's that story. And eventually that family, they moved out of the area and moved further away, you know, on the other side of Apache pass to get away from the, those creatures because, they didn't really leave it alone. According to the legend, they went to that other farm, which was adjacent to my great-great-grandfather's farm, and threw rocks and did things until they chased that family off. And what the the, the uh, big insult, I guess, was just they shot one of them. But inadvertently, it may have been what ended up starting a war that may ultimately have led to these things being not necessarily completely wiped out, but relocating. But relocating or being almost driven to extinction. Talk about, you know, it's so funny in the beginning how we were talking about, you know, not wearing your heart on your sleeve and stuff like that. But these things went out to actively do, like, harm to others. Oh, and they got harmed back yeah. done to them. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no. <laughs> and then they had to go, come yeah. on. Hey, we, we planned it that way, folks. Yeah, yeah, that's a ticket. <laughs> yeah, we planned it that way. That's yeah. how we started out talking like that, see? Yeah. 
No, seriously though, no, we didn't. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, kind that of, was a funny coincidence. It's kind of funny a coincidence, but yeah, the truth is that that's what happened. But it, it, I guess in all seriousness, if you break it down and you look at it from a, just anal- analyze it, you know, I think what happened was, you know, at that time they were still very territorial and they kind of tolerated the people being there and they would just take an animal or two here and there and there was kind of an uneasiness about it. But I think what ended up happening uh, when they dug up the grave, you know, that, they, that, was, that didn't set well, you know, with the, the dad. And, of course, they find his body up in a tree, which is not, you know. Yeah. I mean, obviously, and, you know, and then, and then, of course, this whole thing, you know. I mean, and we've heard stories of, like, you know, dogmen laying siege to people's ranches. I mean, there's been several stories about that. And, of course, the, the Hernandez Ranch, we know. Um, I've told that story on Dogman Encounters. What was told to me by those families in Scorp. You know, you've met, uh, their, their real names aren't her names, but you've met, yeah, um, who we call Jerry, yeah, the cabinet maker, and you've talked to them and you've been there and you've, you haven't heard as much as I have of from them, but you've talked to them about I've that. I've talked to them about it and, and I've, I've heard bits and pieces here and there, yeah. And, and so you, you know that that, that that has happened, but we, this is the, 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 the Bigfoot creatures, you know, these do not sound like Dogman. From what you've heard Jerry and his brothers uh, talk about, this does not sound like Dogman. No, it doesn't. It sounds very much like Bigfoot yeah. type uh, creatures or whatever. Yeah. And going back to what you're saying about how it was uh, about uh, uh, being a, a bad thing or make a bad feeling between they dug up the body, you, what people got to remember is back in that time, people were more highly religious. Oh, yeah. So them digging up the body to That's most people in the region. Yeah, it, it kind of kept the soul from moving on to where it got to go. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what, what Well, being Irish, too, they were too. probably Catholic. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't, you know, I don't know what they thought of that. They might have been pretty upset and then thought, well, oh, no, John's not going to go to heaven now. He's in purgatory, <laughs> you evil demons. I'm going to shoot you now in your butt. <laughs> and he missed and hit the side of him. But anyway, even if you they weren't religious, <laughs> I believe so you can't just dig up people like that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I understand to them they probably don't do that or whatever, but still, like, it's still a messed up thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you, like even not, even in not being religious, it's an insult to have one of your relatives dug up. But yeah. it's even more so if you are oh, yeah. considering, and especially back then, yeah, considering definitely. the the body's still kind of tied to the soul. Yeah, that. yeah, and and of course the the way that people believe different views, you know. Who knows? I don't know. That I mean, they may not have been uh, Catholic. Not all Irish are Catholic, but I mean, they may have been. I don't know 100% a lot about that family. The records of them just kind of fade away because they left the area. Um, and of course, that's not their real last name, but it is, and it was an Irish name. Um, but you got to think, uh, you know, neighbors, they were all helping each other out. Like, you know, something goes down like that nowadays. Good luck. Good luck trying to find some neighbors to come and pull you out. Yeah, They're going to no, be like, hey, everybody, good, everybody good luck with that, buddy. It's all about me, me, me. Yeah, of, I mean, the, 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 it's, you know, maybe some of, good. Let's help each other to progress and to do something better. Yeah. Maybe some good country folks, maybe. Maybe. But now, you know, I'd, I'd be hard pressed. Definitely not here in the city. Yeah, you definitely have to kind of be on your own with that. I don't mm. think anybody's going to come and rescue you from I think what it is is technology. You know, since it's so easy to call 911. Like, why would you go to your neighbors to ask for help? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Well, to help you like, move out of there, though. Hey, the cops ain't help you move out of there. Uh-huh. No. And it still used to be like that in uh, Hispanic neighborhoods. Like, when I grew up, and where I grew up, uh, neighborhoods kind of everybody knew everybody. And you had kind of like a that. Hispanic. So it, it surprises me now when I go back and I don't see kids playing outside like we used to when I was younger. And you don't Heck see. Heck no. You got all these people abducting them. Yeah, and all you kinds don't see, of you don't see families stuff, interacting you know? with each other like we did Asian, back then. Asian families. Whenever, whenever there was yeah. a birthday party in the neighborhood, everybody in the neighborhood was at that was at that house for that party. Mm-hmm. Asian families, we're still, we're still close. Very net. tight. Yeah, we're very tight. Yeah. We, our neighborhoods are. What shocked me too about your family, Tony, is like how they help each other. Yeah. Like your mom had all this furniture stuff, and like and like she was like it was given to me, and I'm like, who's giving you furniture? It was other, it was the other uh, Vietnamese people in the community. We say family, it's not yeah, family. It's, it's not like family. Yeah, no, my uncle. Like it's it's yeah. just people. Yeah, that we just consider like we're close enough to where you're Asian, I'm Asian, and we know mm-hmm. each other well enough to you're just family now. Because I was like, y- y'all had a beat up table, and I was like telling Cindy, your sister, I was like, where'd you get this table? And she's like. Oh, friends of our family, you know, the Vietnamese community, the Vietnamese community, I kept hearing that, you know, gave it to us. And I'm like, they're like family. And I'm like, 
So eventually, I ended up buying your for Christmas. I bought your oh, mom beautiful table. Beautiful. She still has it. Yeah, I bought that table uh, from a guy that actually worked with my dad, and it was moving to Tennessee, and he uh, was working for Samsung, and he, he was like, "Take it, yeah." Yeah, and so he sold it to me, and I bought it for for Christmas for your, your mom, and she almost came to tears because you know she, everything y'all had was like given to you by other people from the Vietnamese community. But if you don't see that now, I oh mean, yeah, no. and it's not like. We were poor. We were middle. We were we were doing well off. It's just that people in the Vietnamese, we we very take care shared of each other. each other. Yeah. So like, if we didn't need something, we didn't feel like it was right to just throw it away. Mm-hmm. If someone else could use it, so we and would just ask around, like, "Hey, does anyone need that's this?" The way you wouldn't it was sell it either. Y'all yeah. would give it away. Yeah. 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 Oh no. We, yeah, yeah. No. That's yeah. the way it was. But when your I neighborhood's grew up. that way too. My sport. neighborhood. My grandparents. Uh, my grandparents' neighborhood was like that too. My grandparents. If you were. If they welcomed you into the house, you weren't a friend. You were family. Family, yeah. That's the way my grandparents were. God yeah. rest their souls. I noticed that with your family, too. Like, every weekend, they would get together at one they somebody's family. They still get yeah. together. My sisters will go to yeah. visit my mom and dad And then, and then and This is another cool thing too. about your family, Scorp, is uh, once a month, Tony, at the end, the last Sunday of every month, right, Scorp? We used to do that before my grandma passed before away. Before your grandma yeah. passed away, God rest her soul. Yeah. But they, they would, the whole family. Uh, Had like family reunions, get, basically? We, yeah, every, 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 every last Sunday the, of the Every month, last Sunday yeah. of the month, we go to my grandma's house and help with any chores. Any, any chores done, or repairs. Repairs. And then we'd have a big, and we'd have a, a dinner. A dinner, yeah. yeah. That's crazy. That's, that's, yeah, because like my family's all in like either Vietnam, Denver, Colorado. We're all very spread out, so we didn't have that down here. So we had to rely on our, our community. Yeah, the Vietnamese community. But it's funny because uh, there's a great joke by Sebastian uh, Montes Hunt, something like that. It's a, he's an uh, Italian guy, but he's basically saying like um, how different it is now compared to back then if someone rings on your doorbell. Like back then, if someone rang on your doorbell, you're like, "Oh, we got to guess who is it's it." Cool, yeah, it's exciting. Like, who is that? Like, you just welcome in, like, "Oh, hey, what's up?" Like, people had pie and stuff. <laughs> and now, like, when people rings the doorbells, like everyone grabs like weapons and stuff. Like, scared, trying to figure out who you know, it is. Like, you're like, "Who is this? Who, who, why, who, why, who's this now? Who why, uh, be there? <laughs> why? Why are you knocking on my door? What do you want? Are you? Are you? Is this a home invasion? Uh, the friend or foe? Friend yeah, or foe? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's true. I yeah. mean, like when we get a do- knock on the door, we all get up. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but th- 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 that's what that's the thing, though. I mean, you know, th- th- this family risk the the other surrounding families risk life and limb to expurgate them from that property to yeah. get them out of there. And these creatures were harassing them and attacking them, and relentlessly. Yeah, they were just nasty things, you know. But uh, anyways, we had a good talk, and uh, we will be talking if we haven't already. We're going to talk about that headless horseman, and we're going to talk about the Hoxie Bridge and some weird encounters that have happened out there. Uh, uh, update on Hernandez Ranch. I mean, update, we've been seeing, I've been seeing a lot of comments and stuff. We're going to get to that, that too. But... We just kind of get a little more information, folks. We'll get it out there, and uh, we haven't released it already by this point because we don't. We've had you know we're, we don't have we don't know when. What yeah, we kind of we have a lot back uh, shows. Backlog. Right now. We have a lot of shows. I promise you that we will. <laughs> we're going to be going for a while. So. Yeah. Tony, yeah, so Tony, you've you given uh, a story and they haven't given when they haven't gotten to it yet. Or we haven't gotten to it yet. Just give it time. They'll get it, it, it'll come around. Mm-hmm. Not even just me. Sometimes I, I'm not even here because I have to work and you'll, you'll yeah. have, you know, some of the other guys. Here. If you people would give us more money, we could do more shows <laughs> and could do more research <laughs> instead of having to live on post. God. Uh, anyway, this pe- has been you good. people, man. I swear. <laughs> I'm uh, here. We are slaving over hot microphones for you. Yeah, sitting in our cool AC slaving. Yeah. Over in this happy. little cramped studio with our fully stocked fridge. God. And our pets and our, you know. What is this? The, the depression? The suffering we have to deal with. <laughs> all right, guys. That's all the time we have for tonight, folks. From me, my buddy Scorp, my godson Tony, uh, little Banjo, who's always in the studio with Tony, his little buddy. Uh, whatever tree you're hiding up from Dogman, whatever evil doll is threatening to kill you and chasing you through the through the uh, house uh whatever gargoyle swooping down over your car good night